Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Underground USA. Here's this morning's segment on Talk Back with Chuck Wilder as broadcast on CRN Digital Talk Radio. Everybody's talking at me. CRN Digital Talk Radio, Chuck Wilder here and swayed at the network and we're live across america and around the world at crntalk.com right now i want to go to the one and only mr frank savato host of the underground usa podcast heard everywhere podcast are heard he's the author of six monographs examining political and ideological threats facing our country he can be heard twice weekly on the captain's america third watch syndicated nationally on salem and genesis communication affiliate stations and most important, his website, undergroundusa.com. Hey, Frank, how are you doing? Mr. Wilder, how are you doing? Yes, I don't know. I, don't, I think I'm only hitting on about four cylinders today for some reason. But, uh, and then and I you're, just, you're, you're just cutting down on, on your use of gasoline because of the prices. That is it. I didn't even realize. Thank you. Now I know what's wrong. All right. Yeah. Hey, uh, I got to tell you, your, your latest... Why I've changed my mind on the need for a convention of states kind of shocked me a little bit. And let me just uh, give the listener here the definition. You know, a convention of states is a convention called by the state legislatures for the purpose of proposing amendments to the Constitution. And that's usually where people go, oh, no, 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 no. But listen, they're given this power to do this under Article 5 of the Constitution. It's not a constitutional convention. It cannot throw out the Constitution because its authority is derived from the Constitution. Okay? I guess that makes sense. And so far, uh, Frank, there are 19 states that have signed up for that. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But the thing is, is that Frank Savato has an article. Why? <laughs> I've changed my mind on the need for a convention of states. Has it gotten that desperate? Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we we have been listening to, um, and, and there's a reason why the Rubicon is is now on the timeline, but we, we have been listening to people on in the middle and on the right and even on the center left for as long as I've been politically aware who have said that they're, when, they, when they're running, 
say that they're going to be the agents of change. They are going to clean up Washington. They're going to bring the government to heel so that the people are served, blah, blah, blah. We had an agent of change that came in, in Donald Trump, and the apparatus started to eat itself to try to expunge him. So change agents, even if they have fidelity to that change, the apparatus itself is is against that 100%. It's like a body pushing out a foreign object. It doesn't want it. And if the federal government is acting like that when we are saying we want them to adhere to the Constitution, and they won't, and I'm saying that with in bold and italics and underline, they won't listen to their constituents about how they're supposed to act, then you, we have to take unilateral action. And while... I had fears in the past about how a convention of the states would go. Those haven't been placated. My worries are still there. It's just that we've reached the Rubicon and gone past that point to where we can expect anything from politicians and elected officials to rectify the situation. Yeah. Now then, I'm going to interrupt what you have written because uh, I did a little real quick uh, thing here. And I was thinking, because 19 states, okay, have passed the Conventions of States application. And all I had to do, Frank, was look on here, and I noticed that uh, New York and California, uh, they haven't uh, got into this. (laughs) You know what? And that's sort of like, wow, now if California had done it, we'd say there's something we don't want, not going to like about it, right? But I'll read these off real quick. These are the ones that have uh, passed the Convention of States application. Georgia, Alaska, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Indiana, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arizona, North Dakota, Texas, Missouri, Arkansas, Utah, Mississippi, Wisconsin, Nebraska, West Virginia, South Carolina. I've been everywhere, man. I've been. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And. Some of these are my favorite states. Most of them are, you know, right? Oklahoma's right in the middle. Texas, okay? Nebraska, Arkansas. It seems like, you know, these people that are, you know, that are still working for a living, so to speak, and don't have crazy uh, critters, Congress critters running their states, all of a sudden they're getting into it. And I have a lot of guests that, you know, boy, they'll say, don't you ever say that you want a convention of states. Don't ever say, oh, that's terrible. So, The unit that we're having all the pushback from, and this was interesting to find out in, in mm-hmm. my research, because once I, once I acquiesced to the thought, I had to know everything about, about the effort. And I do want to add that Florida is included in the states that passed everything. Otherwise, I'd be in Tallahassee right now ringing doorbells. Um, all of the opposition comes from Soros and, and far-left entities that are well-known. You, you've got the, the Clintonian contingent that is also against this. Uh, you look at the NAACP, La Raza, Planned Parenthood. Um, all of the usual suspects on the activist left do not want this to come to pass, and that's because they have special interest talents into the apparatus in Washington, and they have been at the forefront of nudging our country away from the Constitution. Now, in addition to those 19 states, we do have to mention that there's six states where this, this, uh, where the ascension to a convention of states have passed one chamber, 
And that includes New Mexico, South Dakota, Iowa, New Hampshire, Virginia, and North Carolina. But there are 14 other states that have this legislation before their state legislatures, and New York is among them, which was mm. kind of surprising to me. Mm-hmm. But when, when you get outside of New York City and Albany, New York can be a, a, a purple-to-red type of territory. So with with the advent of COVID and the lockdowns and then people moving out of the cities in New York and, and after the census, who knows what could happen up there? That, that could be kind of a shocking result. Um, but you're correct. California isn't anywhere near here, and I don't expect that they will ever sign on to something like this. Mm-hmm. That should tell you something right there, you know, speaking of gas. Uh, anyway, uh, you say the toadies of the fascist left know how to community organize. That, uh, that is certainly true. They know how to threaten boycotts. You've got a whole list here. Yeah. We've been dealing with this for so long that it's just become something we, we expect and accept. Mm-hmm. If it's summertime, somewhere in California, Oregon, Washington, New York, or Illinois, there's going to be protests about something. Something's going to get looted. Something's going to get burnt. And, of course, anything that has to do with the Constitution is bad because that's supposed to change to people's will. Well, that's not the way the game is played. It may be played like that in Venezuela and other third-world countries. It's absolutely played like that in China, although if there was protests by the left like we have here in China, they'd just walk in and, and mow them all down. They'd be taken away. You'd never see them again. You know, then I'm fairly sure the same thing happens in Russia from some of the stuff I'm reading about the Ukraine. So uh, we've become complacent to it, where we tolerate these, this extremism where, okay, well, we have to cover that because it's the news. And now they get their narrative in the mix of all the mainstream stuff. And because it bleeds, and you and I know this from being in, in journalism for so long, if it bleeds, it leads. Right. If it's sensationalistic and, and it sells uh, commercial time and ad copy and, and all the rest and causes clicks, then they're going to keep covering it. If we would have ignored the riots in Seattle and in Portland after the first time, and they said, yeah, there's riots happening in Portland, and we wouldn't have covered it, do you think the same camera-hogging activists would have been there doing the same thing night after night? No. They were <laughs> every time you mention you know, covering it. it, I always think about, yeah, mostly peaceful uh, riot going on here, or, or yeah. protests going on, and the flames in the background, and wonder you didn't have dead bodies laying around. <laughs> yeah, but then they show, a, they show a Trump rowdy, and they talk about how subversive and unbelievably dangerous they are. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when, right. when these people are waving waving flags and smiling, so the definition of of uh, mostly peaceful. Who when that when that reporter came up with that, that's going to follow him around the rest of his life because he's mostly an idiot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they were upset with the Trump rallies too because somehow you know how they would have maybe forty or fifty people sitting behind the president. There was always. Uh, Black, blacks, uh, blacks for Trump, yeah. And it was like, no, wait a minute, no, you're, no, no. All the blacks are supposed to follow what we're telling you to do. Yes, okay, yeah. Hey, yeah, tell they, me, they weren't, yeah, they weren't listening ahead. to their to their Democrat activist masters, right. and I say that with a pointed edge. Yeah, you know, you know just, when you, when you, 
when you look at history, it wasn't the Republicans, Libertarians, and Independents that were lording over the people in the South during the slave age. So, you know, when, we, when you don't teach history in schools, this is what happens. Suddenly the Republicans are, are the oppressors when it was the Democrats who held the bullwhips. Just recently, you know, when the Homeland Security decided, well, we've got to have a information uh, uh, <laughs> censorship here and all that jazz. Believe it or not, if you read Frank Savato's excellent articles, and stupid Chuck here, I never never thought about this. The Analyst Institute that the Obama team came up with. So apparently everybody's already been spied on. Now, I know after, uh, you know, uh, 9-11, right, that they made, uh, what was what was that uh, call there where it was supposed to be the protection for everybody? The, was the, it the, the Homeland the, Security? The, or? Home, yeah, Department of Homeland Security and the FISA courts. Yeah. yeah. So here was the Analysis Institute. Tell us about Analysis Institute. Yes, this this is something that went so under the radar that it it just stuns me to this day. And we're going all the way back to the election of 2012. This was an experiment between the Obama team and the AFL-CIO to create a behavioral psychology scheme that targeted each and every American in the country. They used data collected from Facebook and Twitter and Amazon and your viewing habits and every other way they could get data, and they put it, in the, put it into analysis so they could create a profile of every single voter in the United States, and then they applied pressure. They applied pressure to vote their way. They shamed them to the ballot box. They would get personal in their emails to where your name was actually used and they knew whether or not your neighbors voted for Obama or not and they would say well your neighbors voted <laughs> your your neighbors support Obama what's wrong with you this is this is psyops and this is why we didn't stand a chance in 2012 Mitt Romney was was never in the mix <laughs> The, the yeah. Republican apparatus was unprepared for this kind of psychological warfare, and it showed in the results. And this is why the Republican apparatus that still leans on the same, the, the same traditional types of political scheming today is outgunned at every level. And All we right. keep getting nudged to the left. We're going to take a break and then more from Frank Savato and this excellent article. And we kind of weave off of it every once in a while, but... Why I've changed my mind on the need for a convention of states. Yes, we'll be back at the undergroundusa.com. That's the website for Frank Savato. Undergroundusa.com. The woman I have searched for all my life, and that's a really long time when you get to be my age, was addicted to vaping. It was like an appendage in her hand. When she'd get deeply into something or her anxiety level would grow, it was as if she was walking around in a London fog. In our non-smoking culture, when we'd be out, she'd always have to excuse herself to go outside to take a few puffs just to satisfy the craving. So when the good people at Fume approached me to showcase their product on Underground USA, I immediately started researching their product. 
Fume, spelled F-U-M, with the double dot diuresis over the U, is the all-natural inhaler designed for a better, safer, and natural way to quit cigarettes and vaping. It's a no-smoke, no-vape, and no-nicotine replacement for the hand-to-mouth habit associated with smoking and vaping. Fume handcrafts wooden inhalers and uses cores infused with plant oils that have been clinically proven to curb cravings. They have flavors like peppermint and conquer with minty notes to simulate menthol cigarettes, and they have other flavors like cozy chai and lemon berry bliss for those who are used to a sweeter experience. And all their flavors are 100% natural, no harmful chemicals, no artificial flavors, and absolutely no nicotine. Whether you're a smoker, an ex-smoker who still struggles with the cravings, or a vapor like the love of my life, Fume is the perfect break-the-habit tool for you. Face it, the only thing you really have to lose is the habit and the cost of that habit, which is both a financial cost and a matter of health. Come on, you know it. So head on over to breathefume.com UUSA and use the promo code UUSA, that's the letters U-U-S-A, to save 10% off your entire order. That's 10% off your entire order, an order that could lead you or the one you love to better health and a little bit more wealth. Go to B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M dot com slash U-U-S-A and use code U-U-S-A. It's better to offer a smoker or a vapor a path to a solution rather than a constant complaint. And if you're like me, if you care enough to be concerned... Fume could help you have more years for the one you've searched for all your life. Go to breathefume, B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M dot com slash U-U-S-A and use the U-U-S-A code today. Gain some days with the one you love. Everybody's talking at me. CRN, Chuck Wilder with Frank Savato. And uh, undergroundusa.com, that's the website. You know, you talk about how they manipulate you and bounce you around and all that stuff. And I remember when Hillary was running, and every time I would Google something, this was before I started using DuckDuckGo, uh, no matter what it was, they, you know, I would, I would look for, you know, hey, what's the temperature of Albuquerque, New Mexico, for example, okay? And uh, it automatically take me to an ad for Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, well, my this, goodness, you know. They spent a lot of money on that, but Silicon yeah. Valley was also weighting those types of things in her favor, and that came out after the election. Even, mm-hmm. even Thank God, even though she lost, I, I can't imagine where our country would be today if she would, if she would have won. Um, but that was, that was a scandal that I believe was a scandal. Anybody with a, with a, a semblance of an idea of fairness when it comes to our election, understands it as being a scandal um, that Silicon Valley weighted uh, ad results and and uh, the search results and everything else mm-hmm. in her favor. Uh, when you've got to do that in order to win, then obviously you you're flawed as a candidate. If your message, if your platform and your message doesn't move the American people, and you have to move to coercing them and manipulating them into voting for you there's something wrong with your platform 
So this is why we saw the Analyst Institute. This is why we saw Hillary doing the Steele dossier and and the Russia collusion thing and colluding with Silicon Valley to try and manipulate information and the way people see things. The the left has got a horrible track record on that. And the 2,000 mules. There you go. Uh, Yeah. You you know, it's amazing uh, how names will pop out. And the older you get, you know, you start – not you, of course, Frank, but – People like me say, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm probably 27. What did he say? You know, Lord Acton. I'm giving the the listener a chance. Lord Acton, what was his famous saying, right? And, I mean, it was was right on the nail, wasn't it? Well, it's absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm -hmm. When there's no check to your power or a check and balance, as our framers and founders insisted upon having in our system of government, then you get to do whatever you want. And ever since the Wilson administration and FDR, we have dispensed with potent checks and balances on the executive branch of our government. Right now, when the legislature goes and, and creates a bill, it may be the bill. We want to have uh, all squirrels to wear leather skull caps, and that's the new law. But we're charging the Department of the Interior with coming up with the minutia of that law, and they'll enforce it through regulatory power. That's how all of our legislation is done today. They never spell it out in concrete so that it's defined. They give it to an agency of the executive branch, and what they're in effect doing is allowing the executive branch legislative power to create law, and that's unconstitutional. It violates the separation of powers, and they don't have the authority to do that. And, and that's bled over into executive orders. You know, executive orders were very seldom used in the beginning and all the way up through World War II. They, well, we didn't have 97 executive orders. Yeah. You know, that never happened. There's no check and balance to those. Well, we just got to wait until he gets out of office, then we can reverse it. Yeah, that, King he's and Queen, legis- you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, you're leg- an executive order is today is ipso facto legislation from the Oval Office, and that violates the separation of powers. So this is just one of the reasons why I say that Rubicon for a convention of states, we've crossed it. We're on the other side. It is a necessary thing today. And when you you look at the way that this is crafted and laid out, one of the fears that I had – about a runaway convention where, and you mentioned this in the, in, in the introduction, where it's, you know, whoa, they could get rid of the whole Constitution, start from scrap, and we could end up with a lot of mess. That's not the way it goes. Every, every state has to sign on to, yeah. to the case before they go to a debate, and it could only become less. Well, I'm going to tell you, listener, when we come back from this break at the bottom of the hour here, uh, we're going to get into some of the things that uh, that would be mentioned in this uh, Constitution of States. And, uh, there's one that I'm really for now that I never thought I'd ever say, and that's uh, term limits. Yes. Frank Savato, undergroundusa.com. 
We'll be right back. Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. Everybody's talking at me. CRN Chuck Wilder with Frank Savato, host of the Underground USA podcast. And you can be hearing him twice weekly on the Captain's America Third Watch. That's syndicated nationally, Salem and Genesis Communication affiliate stations. And once again, the website, undergroundusa.com. So you changed your mind, Frank, and you said the breaking point. There were a lot of uh, different things, but. Uh, Investigating who stands behind the effort today went a long way, you say, to convincing you that a convention of states could actually succeed in rescuing the nation. And, boy, we certainly need it. Did uh, Mr. Biden have anything to do with this? <laughs> well, Mr. Mr. Biden is a puppet. He, he's granted throughout his, his infamous career in politics, he has been somebody who has vacillated to his benefit financially and otherwise. Um, he's never really stood for anything. If you look at his positions throughout his career in Washington, D.C., he's always taken the one that's pulled the better and positioned him better to acquire power. So he is little more than a creature of politics and absolutely not a public servant. So, yes, he's had something to do with it, as has the whole culture that's inside the beltway. I'm not just going to point a finger at Mr. Biden. I'm going to point a finger at Mitch McConnell. I'm, yeah. I'm not just going to point a finger at Hillary Clinton. I'm going to look at the Republican apparatus that has allowed itself to say that they're going to do the, the, the will of the people when they're running for office, and then almost immediately fall back into the same games that happen inside the beltway anyway. Anybody who's become a millionaire in Washington, D.C., holding office to serve the public has played that game, period. There's no other way to look at it. You can't become a millionaire on a six-figure salary when most of that salary has to go for your, for your existence in a city that's very expensive to exist in. So that should be the litmus test for everybody. If anybody's put an extra zero in, the, in their bank account, and it wasn't because of their spouse doing things unconnected to government, then the people who they've fallen into the trap inside the deep state beltway. And as much as the left wants to pretend that the, the phrase deep state is a boogeyman conspiracy thing, it's everything but that. Not only does it exist, it's got tentacles that reach over around the globe to Davos and, and to Brussels, and, and to the nuclear epicenter at the U.N. in New York. This is a, we, we have fallen prey to globalism here to the point where if Russia decides to invade Ukraine, suddenly there are shortages of things. That should never happen. We should be autonomous in the United States. 
We should be able to grow our own food, make our own vehicles, make our own cell phones, create our own energy. We are a nation that can be self-sufficient. We've proved it. Yet we're dependent on everybody else because of the globalists wanting to intertwine us with all of the other nations. George Washington said it in his farewell address. He warned us not to engage in foreign entanglements, yet we did. Boy, so long ago those words came out, you know, and boop, nothing. Look how many entanglements we've been involved in. You know, and closer to home you have the purposeful, uh, purposeful, destruction of the economy to create financial instability and dependence on government to establish relentless attacks on the cryptocurrency sphere meant to deny free market. You know, and and they're getting all involved in the financial aids figures going on here, the unelected, unaccountable Federal Reserves, uh, what was that, uh, grotus, and some would say purposeful manipulation of the economy to benefit exclusively the globalists and the globalist banking institutions. Uh, it's like America number one? No, not necessarily. We have to... Oh, it, it, hasn't, yeah. been, it hasn't been that way for a very, very long <laughs> yeah. time. Long, long time. It, it hasn't. I'm reading a book right now, and I urge everybody to read it or listen to it. It's available on, on audio. If that's the way you consume your books, that's the way I consume them. It's more, more time expedient. But I'm reading a book called... Um, uh, the creature from Jekyll Island. If you want to understand the dark side of American finance yeah. and how how almost useless our Congress is, you need to read that. It will boil your blood. You know, I think the very first thing on Jekyll Island, the very first book, uh, the gentleman was on George Putnam's show, and I, I wished I could remember his name. It, uh, do you do you remember the guy that wrote the book? Uh, Right offhand, um, I I would have to go back and look at it. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I I did a voiceover for that thing that was gosh, it seemed like it was like twelve minutes. That was long for me, you know. <laughs> but anyway, and uh, I've still got it put away somewhere. The creature of Jekyll Island. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, but this whole list here, you know, like the purposeful destruction of the U.S. energy sector to enrich the Green Energy Syndicate, the Biden administration's intention to succeed American sovereignty to the World Health Organization. Now, that's probably, I can't think of any president doing anything worse than that. Can you? Well, the, the seeding of American sovereignty on, on a, a number of different levels yeah. is, is what the left has been doing and what the globalist cabal inside the United States has been doing for since the Clinton era at least, but starting back with the Wilson administration and and FDR. When you have an accurate reading of history and you don't get clouded by what the preferred narrative is for these people, you understand the damage they did to American sovereignty. So, yes, when we talk about the seeding of, of our sovereign individual sovereignty when it comes to health for how we want to engage with medicine yeah what what the biden administration is trying to do with the world health organization is is Mm. egregious to a to a hundredth degree it's unbelievable when when a foreign entity an unelected foreign organization 
is given the power to say, well, you know, we think that this virus down in the southeast of of the United States is might blow up into a pandemic. So we're yeah. going to say that region is quarantined. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, it's uh, and it surprised me that they actually turned down, I think, 12 or 13 of his suggestions. <laughs> it, it just surprised me because I figured they were, you know, probably so anti-American they were going to swaddle it up real quick. But I don't know. Um, you know, you know. It seems that uh, the poison that is Joe Biden and his mm-hmm. bad popularity is not only from coast to coast of the United States. Nobody wants to be associated with him around the world. Yeah, you know, under the title "The Choice Is Clear," I want I want you to cover that a little bit, but I want to make sure that we make room for what you call the list of subjects stated to be debated during any convention animating from the current effort, and those are the nine that I included uh, that I was talking about earlier. But uh, as far as the choice is clear, he said it's clear that any solutions to the threats facing our country by, and this very sad to have to say, our own federal government must be countered by the citizenry because yeah, it is a hostile a, takeover, right? Well, we're facing the same kind of tyranny Although, albeit a soft tyranny, but the level is is just about the same as we did under King George. Wow, We're, our representative government has been diminished to such a point, and we went we went through this in an earlier segment, where they're creating laws so generally and ceding the authority of of legislation to the executive branch that we now have an executive branch that is all powerful. So what is the difference between having an executive branch that is all-powerful and a monarch? They're, they're very similar. So if we are going to have a change here to get back to the Constitution, we have to return the level of power not only to the executive branch but also to the legislative branch and elevate the potency of the judicial branch because right now they cast that aside whenever they feel like. We have to reset that, and I'm not talking great reset. That's World Economic Forum fascist socialism. We have to have a reset back to the Constitution, where the states had a great amount of power over the day-to-day of our people, and the federal government operated in the limited, enumerated capacity that the Constitution mandated. That's going to require readdressing the Commerce Clause decisions that that the Supreme Court made that were horrible, more horrible than Dred Scott. Hmm. That has to be completely changed. They keep saying, well, under the Commerce Clause ruling that the the Supreme Court gave us, we have the right to tell you in Indiana, well, no, you don't. That's the point. The Tenth Amendment says anything that's specifically enumerated in the Constitution is the purview of the states. And ever since FDR's court-packing scheme failed, and make no mistake, we all look at that and say, oh, wow, we dodged a bullet. Everything else he wanted, he got. We, we got the expertization of the federal government. No longer are our, our legislative representatives... The people who make the laws now, the experts rule by regulation. Anybody who owns a business knows this all too well. 
there's no reason we should be working three and four months out of the year to pay our federal income taxes. That's ridiculous. But yet people run on this platform all the time. Oh, I'm going to do something to, to fix the taxes, and we're going to be able to put it on a postcard hmm. and, you know, oh, flat tax here and fair tax this. It never happens because the beast will never stop eating. So we have to do it. And that's what the a convention of states, per Article 5 in the Constitution, mm-hmm. affords the people to do at the state level. And when 17 states have already decided we need this, and another 14 are saying we're considering it because we need this, and another seven have said halfway through our legislature, legislative branch, we need this. It's not an unpopular idea. Yeah. It's, it's gaining speed because the federal government doesn't know when to stop. You know, I think, and, and I could be way off on this, but, you know, most people that uh, automatically are against it are probably thinking, well, what if they go in there and they get rid of the Second Amendment or they do this or they do that and they do this, you know, they worry about why are we going to give them any more control you know right and this is this is one of the fears that i had going into it when it was first being discussed um it was waylaid by learning more about it that's not the way the process happens the pro- the idea of what needs to be addressed is addressed first and you can't just say well we want to an amendment about uh, term limits uh, in Massachusetts, but we want uh, Second Amendment stuff in in Nebraska, so two states have said this. It's all got to be a common set of of debating points. Let me give the listeners, well, I I want you to give them out because it's your work, but just number one out of the nine list of subjects slated to be debated Number one is limiting the U.S. Supreme Court justices to nine members. And right now, I think it's, it's uh, more than ever before, there's a big fight going on because the other team wants to outdo the other team, and then when the other team gets in, they'll want to have more from the other team. And, you know, yeah, nine is perfect, right? Yeah, we, we, saw, the, we saw this attempt back with, with Franklin Roosevelt. He wanted to pack the courts because he wasn't getting his way. That's not the way our country is set up. Mm-hmm. So creating an amendment that takes it off the table is necessary at this point. Uh, eight of the other points that this – and this is what's on the petition now that 14 states have said, yes, let's meet and get this done. These are the only points that are being considered. Okay. So it can never be more than this. It can only be less. Um, point. Preventing the addition of states without the affirmative consent of three-quarters of the existing states. So no, just bringing Puerto Rico on so there's two more senators for the Democrats. Right. Point. Requiring members of Congress to live under the same laws they pass for the rest of us. Yeah. Seems, seems logical. Point. Imposing term limits on all members of Congress in both chambers. Something that has to happen. Right. I never used to be for that. But yeah. we've, we've crossed the Rubicon on that. Point. Requiring a balanced federal budget. Have a budget. 
we, all of our all of our funding comes from from resolutions, uh, continuing resolutions. We haven't had a budget in years. Point issuing limits on federal spending and taxation. Point getting the federal government out of the health care system. Right. Point getting the federal government out of our education system. <laughs> and the last point prohibiting unelected federal bureaucrats from imposing regulations with the weight of law. None of these points that they want to bring into a package of amendments to the U.S. Constitution is unreasonable. None of them. But it does take away the unlimited power of the federal government to run roughshod over the states and over the citizens. That's why it's needed. And you know, and you say the chances are there may be a couple of them that uh, that won't pass, uh, but we'll see. Uh, and then uh, we're going to take our final break. Very little time on the other side, but a stimulation of convention of states resulted in the adoption of the following amendments to the U.S. Constitution being successfully passed. Some which might surprise you in a good way. And we'll try to get those in or whatever else Frank wants to end up with. Because it's his show, Frank Savato, host of the Underground USA podcast. And the website is undergroundusa.com. Be right back. Just a few years back, I had two of the most unique and personable dogs I had ever encountered. God rest their souls. Riley and Coulter. I named them after Bill O'Reilly and Ann Coulter. And you can take that whichever way it suits you. Riley, the larger male of the brother-sister pair, they were Beagle, Jack Russell, and a Pomeranian mix, would eat a boiled can if I put it within striking distance. So I was always on the lookout for something that would be nourishing, but wouldn't make him into a blimp. Coulter was the complete opposite. It was like trying to guess what Cleopatra wanted for dinner each day. Needless to say, the task of finding something store-bought fell to the wayside, and I ended up cooking for both of them. My friends thought I was insane. To that end, I wish our new sponsor's product would have been around back then. Sundays for Dogs is real food, not kibble. It's real food for dogs, formulated by a vet, with only the highest quality fresh meat, vegetables, fruit, and superfoods. Made in the USA at a USDA human food facility. It's then air-dried to perfection into fresh dog food that's shelf-stable and affordable. It's 40% less expensive than leading fresh brands. Not that Riley would have needed it, but Sundays for Dogs elevated a dog's excitement about eating because it's real food. The same food that we eat. It helps manage weight, increases energy, and produces a softer coat and better digestion. Starting at just $2 a day on average, if you can keep your Riley away from the bag. It's all-natural, real, raw, whole food that tastes like a treat, but it's actually a completely balanced and nutritious meal. And with a hassle-free money-back guarantee, it's a no-risk try. Plus, when you order online... Enter the promo code UUSA, the letters UUSA, to receive a 35% discount on your first order. Go to sundaysfordogs.com and be sure to use the promo code UUSA to receive 35% off your first order. Do it for your Riley and Coulter. 
Not Bill and Ann, of course. I don't think they would care. Sundaysfordogs.com Everybody's talking at me CRN, Chuck Wilder with Frank Sabato, host of the Underground USA podcast and uh, uh, discussing his latest, Why I've Changed My Mind on the Need for a Convention of States. And I bet at one time you said never, 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 never. <laughs> I'm doing my I, I church did never. Yes, I, yes. I did say never, never, never because I didn't trust the, the intellect level of people who would have tried to reproduce a constitution. Yeah. We don't. We aren't, we aren't as smart as the framers. There, there are very few people who are. They operated at a grade twenty-four level. All of them, not just some of them. Um, I did want to hit on on these points from the simulation, though, before we run out of time. Um, they had a simulated convention of states. They ran it through the paces and wanted to see how people would, what would come out of it, mm-hmm. to waylay fears of people like me. Of the, who thought it would be more destructive than productive. And after having executed a simulated convention, this is what they brought to the table as far as amendments. Point. The public debt shall not be increased except upon a supermajority vote in Congress. I can go with that. Mm-hmm. Point. Term limits on all members of Congress in both chambers. Absolutely needed. Point. That's going to be the hard Limited, one. To, yeah, that's going to be the hard yeah, one. That would, to say yes. they would they would they would never do it themselves. It needs to be imposed upon them. Right. Point. Limiting federal overreach by restoring the commerce clause to its original meaning. That you couldn't wish for anything better. Point. Limiting the power of federal regulations by allowing for a congressional override. So if a regulation was too much, Congress could override it and say forget it. Point, requiring a supermajority of Congress to increase federal taxes. Then they went a step further. Point, repealing the 16th Amendment that created the income tax. And the last point that came out of this convention was giving the states, by a three-fifths vote, the power to abrogate, read, nullify, any federal law, regulation, or executive order, which means the states would retain their power to say the federal government in that act is overreaching the Constitution and we can't be punished for it. These are all reasonable and acceptable safeguards to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to have them codified into the Constitution as amendments, because the ruling class in Washington will never Seed the power they have. No matter what they tell you, no matter what their rhetoric is, no matter how much they promise you at election mm-hmm. time that they're going to be the change agents, the apparatus itself will not allow it to happen. And that's why we have to take it back, neuter it, and put the beast back into the box. <laughs> there you go. Very good, yeah. And you know, Frank, it's like you get elected, and the second day... You start raising money to get elected again. That's the number one thing. Seems That's like the game. Everybody. Yeah. That's the and, you game. Know, people as, would, as, yeah. as John Stewart Mill yeah. said, bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. 
You ought to write that down. <laughs> Frank Savato. All right. Thank you very much, sir. Look forward to our next visit, undergroundusa.com. Thank you, Sway. Thank you for listening, and God bless the United States of America. Please like the episode on the platform you're listening to us on, leave a comment if it lets you, and share us with your friends and family. Our influence grows when you share our podcast. And don't forget to sign up for our Substack, which comes directly to you, subverting the interference of the Internet gatekeepers and social media censors. This is going to be increasingly important moving forward given the world's trajectory. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Judson Carroll with the Southern Appalachian Herbs Podcast. My new book, Growing Your Survival Herb Garden for Preppers, Homesteaders, and Everyone Else, is really for everyone. No matter where you live, whether you're in a homeowners association or you have a nice big farm or even if all you have is a balcony and an apartment, you can grow the herbs you need for your health, for your family's health, and be ready to face any circumstance that comes your way. I make growing herbs easy, practical, and fun, actually. So look for this book. It's on Amazon if you want a print copy or you can contact me directly for an ebook. Find me at judsoncarroll.com. Thanks, and I know you will enjoy this.